Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing? Great. There was a monumental day in Dynasty Blueprint history over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was. We we teased this last episode, but you were at the Combine. I was at the Combine. We got to meet up. We even got to share a meal for the first time ever. So that was, yeah, that was that was a big day. It, it was, was. It was fun, for sure. <laughs> Five years later or whatever. Yeah. That's right. And uh, it's it's perfect symmetry tonight because our host was also there, not only at the Combine, but also sharing that meal with us uh, on Friday evening, I think it was. We've got Danny Kelly, the staff writer from The Ringer, with us. He covers the NFL, the NFL Draft, and even does some fantasy football work for The Ringer. Danny, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? I actually didn't know that was the first time you'd met either. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. We, uh, we've we been staring at each other every week or a couple <laughs> times a week for four or five years now. And and uh, that that was the first time. It was the first time I'd been to the combine. Matt goes every year, and I, I don't I don't know what I was waiting on because it was it was a blast to yeah. meet people and and see the players, see them work out, do some interviews, things like that. It was it was all very cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was a blast. I was just uh, just telling these guys before the show. I'm I'm still tired. I think I, I just haven't really recovered completely yet from it because it's <laughs> it's long days. In addition to and and then now they made it prime time, so everything is happening. You know, four o'clock through eleven o'clock uh, indie time. All the testing is happening, and so that used to happen during the day, so you can kind of get your work done <laughs> during the day. Now it's it's just literally like a a thirteen hour grind. So it's it's fun, but also tiring. It is. Yeah, for for me as as a first timer, uh, of course I knew about the schedule change, but I didn't really know what it was like beforehand. Uh, so I'm sure for you guys who uh, make the trip pretty much every year, it was <laughs> it was very different, and, yeah, I'm uh, and even more different for the players and and uh, you know the agents, the coaches, the GMs, everybody else really on the inside. Danny, of course, we uh, we invited you here to talk about the combine. All three of us were there, and and mm-hmm. I know. Uh, but both of you guys, I think, were there for the entire week. I, I jumped in late yeah. in the week. Just looking at some of your work over at The Ringer, it, it really kind of tells the story. I think you've done three articles uh, since the Combine covering these players. You've done uh, at least one podcast as well. And that's that's really what we want to go through today. Your sure. first one, uh, while, while we were all still there, this published, Jonathan Taylor is an ace RB, an ace running back, and he isn't the only one. It feels like for dynasty football purposes, Jonathan Taylor was really the story of the weekend. Yeah. And I don't know if he should be. We maybe we should have seen this coming. We we've we knew of course about the the crazy numbers he put up, the production at Wisconsin. Uh, I think everybody expected him to run fast. Maybe maybe he just ran faster than than we thought. He's now up to the basically the consensus 1.01 in our rookie mock drafts that we do over at DLF. I think he was the one, two or one, three before that. So, you know, now even a few days past the combine, it feels like everybody's already assuming he's locked into that one Oh one spot. Things change so quickly. Do you see anything over the next uh, 50 to 60 days that could really push him out of that top spot? Probably not. I mean, Pro days, I guess, will matter, and, and 
you know, I had full disclosure. I had J.K. Dobbins just slightly ahead of Taylor before the combine, and I think now I definitely put Taylor ahead. And and for me, it wasn't necessarily that he ran a four three nine, which is obviously extremely extremely um, impressive. It was more that Dobbins he came in a little lighter than expected. I think he was two hundred nine pounds, so I, I was expecting like two eighteen or two seventeen or something like that. Um, and he didn't test. So maybe there's some recency bias going on. Maybe we're maybe we're falling victim to the double counting thing where we already knew Taylor was fast and then we're going to count it again. But for whatever reason, I just feel much more comfortable calling Taylor the clear cut number one at this point. Um, I think his the hype that he generated and, and the excitement that he generated, I think, could also contribute to him being the first running back taken, which is obviously also very important. Like draft capital is very much linked to production in the NFL and I just feel more confident saying that Taylor is going to be a first round pick and he's going to be the first running back off the board than I did earlier in, I guess the off season. And so that's kind of what, what pushed me over the edge. And he was heavier, bigger and fast and, and explosive and all that did not disappoint, lived up to all the hype and more probably. Yeah. I think he, it was a, it was for me a razor's edge and it just kind of pushed him over the top for me. Yeah. I mean, that's well said. And, and Dobbins hasn't got a chance to make a case for himself yet, but it seems like pro days don't move the needle as much for the right. the dynasty community. Um, I actually got to stand next to Jonathan Taylor while I was there. I mean, he is a well-built, I looked at him and said, I don't want to tackle that guy. I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah. and to your point, I think I don't want to, if you take a step back and just look at this as players on paper, numbers, you know, their stats, their combine th- stuff, I think he, there's a chance he's going to be mid-first rounder to a Tampa or somebody like that. I don't think that's crazy talk anymore. And on paper, how much different is he really than Saquon Barkley? Right, yeah, and that's something I talked about on the Danacy pod um, the other day in, in, in terms of, there's I think it was players who are 225 pounds plus that have run a four four five or better there's only two guys in the last seven eight years to do that and and it's taylor and saquon Hmm. and so like you're saying on paper they're very similar athletes in terms of explosiveness pure speed breakaway speed um i think the one difference is at least just kind of going back to the tape going back to the college tape uh saquon felt a little bit more physical and kind of run guys over than than taylor but i don't know if that really matters honestly that might be a good thing for taylor long term in terms of his longevity and that's why he was you know potentially part of the reason he i don't think he missed a game in college he was very durable knock on wood that would be maybe the difference just like that stylistically maybe he's not kind of guy that's just going to go through a defender but has the speed has the feet i think he's got good feet in terms of when you're when he's going through traffic in, in inside the tackles and all that um and plus he has breakaway speed so i know a lot of people are kind of looking at taylor like he's the best like running back prospect since barkley in terms of just everything on paper yeah i thought you made a really good point about the draft capital as well and i've had my rankings out at dlf for uh about about a month now i guess and they've already changed and and kind of flip-flopped a ton but i know i've had taylor prior to the combine is as low as RB three behind Dobbins and behind Swift at times. And part of that was the draft capital that you mentioned, because if you look at uh, most of these mock drafts that came out prior to the combine combine, it was Swift sneaking into the, into the late first round. And it was Taylor almost always listed as the RB three. If, if you found a mock that was, that was two or three rounds. So it was just that concern 
about draft capital. And I think worst case, he's a second rounder, certainly. And, and right, now that's right. that's probably not even a worry at this point. But uh, according to nearly every mock draft that was out there, he was the RB3 uh, according to uh, in those NFL mocks. So that's what kind of pushed him down for me. It wasn't the concern about uh, catching passes or the heavy workload at, at Wisconsin. I think both of those things we can – we can at least bypass for now or overlook for now. The one thing I do worry a little bit about, and, and we'll find this out. Like if you're having a draft now, I'd say Taylor is my number one. Um, and then once the draft happens, if you're having rookie drafts or startup drafts after the draft, then we won't have to, I guess, predict where he's going to go. But I think I did see like Daniel Jeremiah has him at, in a tier below um, Dobbins and Swift, I believe in terms of his rankings. And so you know, he obviously has NFL guys in his ear all the time. So that potentially could be something that um, translates to the draft. Like if he goes, like if he's the third running back off the board, that potentially could change things. So, you know, there's still fluidity, but I think until the draft, I wouldn't say he, he I, I wouldn't say he's going to drop for me at least. In that article, not only in the title, you, you hinted that Taylor wasn't the only one. You mentioned a few other running backs who, uh, who impressed? Who else caught your eye uh, at the running back position there in Indy? Well, I think a couple. I mean, obviously, DeAndre Swift running four four eight and jumping thirty five and a half inches was great for him. Um, you know, there was some whispers and, and slight concerns about his long speed, which I think is fair. Um, you know, you don't necessarily see him with the same kind of breakaway speed I think as you see with Taylor, but he kind of put those worries to bed with a four, four, eight and, and he's obviously fast. And then Cam Akers looked really, really fast, really, really electric, quick feet, four, four, seven in the 40, 35 and a half inch vert. So the, the, uh, the explosion is there. I went back and watched him today again, just because, I mean, I, I already liked him, but I went back and watched him again just for fun. And, and, um, there's just so much to like about his game. You know, he's got such, he's just got like that big legs, kind of runs a little bow-legged, so he's very balanced at all times. He can make these really huge like jump cuts behind the line of scrimmage, and he had to all the time, you know, playing at Florida State. So um, I think Akers and Swift, too, were very, very impressive. A.J. Dillon, you know, for what he was able to do at, at uh, 247 pounds was pretty ridiculous. And in terms of all the numbers, like 247 pounds running a 4.53, jumping 41 inches, is pretty ridiculous i liked his tape actually there is certainly question marks about what he's going to do in the pros he's definitely a throwback style player so landing spot will probably be important give him a runway though like derrick henry style and, and i think he could be an effective guy he could be a fantasy factor too so i think those three kind of stood out for me danny real quick could you see dylan being a day two selection you know i, I mentioned tampa what about like next to Singletary in Buffalo, or if they franchise Derrick Henry and make him the successor, maybe to my Steelers? Like, I think he's going to yeah. end up going in the third round. I could see it, honestly. I, I definitely could see it. So I think right now I've got him as like my RB six seven or something mm-hmm. like that. So I don't know if seven running backs are going to go in the first hundred picks. But it only takes one team, like like you were saying, to fall in love with that kind of that style. And he's definitely in his own class and his style, right? Because these other guys, you could you could say, oh, I, I kind of like Edwards Alaire, I kind of like Acres. You know, maybe we can wait on wait on a guy and get him a little bit later. But there's really only one guy like him in terms of it, that talented, that fast, that big. And I do. I mean, the Steelers would be a lot of fun too. I yeah. mean, 
um, get him going and, and behind that line. And, and um, yeah, so I don't know. It, I could see it. I definitely could see it. But we're kind of getting to that point where, you know, there's supposed to be 25 receivers going in the first three rounds, <laughs> right. which, you know, yeah. like we're, I think we're, we're maybe getting a little bit too excited about <laughs> get, calling guys day one and day two guys. Um, I fall victim to this all the time. Only thirty-two uh, you know, picks we, that he drowned. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. So I don't know. It's it's going to be so much fun to see. But um, you know, round four I think would for sure be kind of like the sweet spot. I could see him going. Danny, I want to go back to Cam Akers for for a moment. As you said, uh, he was really impressive in his uh, his performance as well. So far in in the early mocks and and even a, a couple of actual drafts that I've I've seen. It seems like the top five rookies are, are locked in. That the running backs that we've talked about, Taylor, Dobbins, Swift, uh, along with a couple of receivers. What's it going to take for Cam Akers to crack that top three running back or or that top five uh, overall position in a rookie draft? I think landing spot probably. If he if he land like if he's get taken by the Chiefs, I mean, where are you going to take right. him? <laughs> like yeah. honestly, number one, yeah, right, one right. maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yep. So, yeah, I think landing spot. For now, it feels like those five guys are really set, honestly. Um, and I, I don't know if anything can change. Maybe some people might like him more than Dobbins because I know Dobbins is not universally loved, I think, quite as much as Swift and Taylor. Um, or at least that's kind of my impression. I, I don't really know. But, um, yeah, I would say, you know, that would be the big thing is, is a very, very advantageous landing spot. And I could see him, you know, leapfrog a few guys in this group. And, same goes if, if maybe Lamb or Judy lands in a bad spot, you know, where where you're talking about – like if Lamb goes to the Jets or something Jags. like that where – yeah, like some team that you just don't have any faith in early, early returns, I guess I could see wanting to take acres over that. So, um, But he definitely feels like right below that tier to me. Did your opinion of Edward Solaire change at all? Mm, not no i wouldn't mm. say drastically at all i would say maybe like a little bit disappointing because i heard that he ran like a 443 in high school so maybe i was like maybe if he ran 443 then there's gonna be a ton of hype around him running a 46 or 47 or whatever it is he ran is i wouldn't say it's a disappointment but it was a little bit of a letdown but that said like it doesn't change his game that's right, not right. his game he was never like a breakaway runner to me he was a guy that makes guys miss in the short area He's a guy that can contribute as a pass catcher. Um, so that, yeah, like it doesn't change really his game. If you look at the tape, it doesn't doesn't really change your opinion of him. So I still think he's right there in that tier two of running backs for me. Folks, let me tell you about fantasy sports, reality sports online. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is all about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and way more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is a platform to test your metal. You're still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT, all one word, to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. 
Danny, your second article covering the combine over at the ringer was uh, entitled risers and sliders at the 2020 NFL combine. You listed several risers, a couple of guys, maybe losing, uh, losing some value after a poor combine. Uh, Just tell us uh, about a couple of the players that really stood out in a positive way for you. I think the big name, obviously Denzel Mims Baylor, who I would say uh, he was the most shocking, I guess, in terms of everything that he was able to, you know, the six, 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 three cone, which is by far the best among receivers. Um, and that's pretty impressive considering he's, you know, like a six foot three tall gangly kind of looking guy. The fact that he can change directions that quickly is I think pretty meaningful. And obviously he ran a four, three, eight. Um, so his, his testing, builds the you know builds the momentum that he already had coming out of the senior bowl which was he was like the far and away the star of the senior bowl in my opinion you know he was just making these ridiculous start like circus catches every single day and looking really really good and so i would say mims was the biggest winner just based on all that and i was actually going to ask you guys this because i went back and watched mims today and i'm not, i'm not sure did we did anyone think he was going to run sub 44 i didn't <laughs> I mean, I didn't think it'd be I don't remember any, five I, guy, but I didn't think it'd be that. Yeah. So, uh, and and this is not meant as like a troll or anything, but like I don't know if I see four three eight on his tape necessarily. At least not very often. I mean, he did get behind the defense, but when I think of four three eight, I think of you know DK Metcalf or something where it's just like turbocharged speed. He's more of a glider, if that makes any sense. Um, yep. So. I don't know if he, he plays like a guy that when you in, envision what a 4-3 player plays like. I, I see more like a DJ Chark in him in terms mm, good of one. type of guy that can get deep with long strides, stretch the defense, but he's maybe not like Blow your you doors know, a muscle, off, yeah. car, muscle car like DK Metcalf kind of deal. and so um, Or a drag racer, I guess, is probably the better for DK Metcalf. So I think, you know, I don't know if I necessarily – care that he ran a 4-3-8 it's definitely really really impressive i'm more yeah i was more impressed with his three cone honestly and so yeah um yeah i think he was a huge huge winner great athlete you know it's just another thing you can tack on to because it's not a double count i didn't know he was going to do that so when you add in the fact that he's an elite elite athlete to what he did at the combine or what he did at the senior role i should say and then what he did in college to me, he's looking more and more like an early day to potentially sneak into round one kind of guy, which is not what I was expecting at all coming into the combine. So to me, he was the biggest riser by far. It seems like Mims uh, gained similar value both in the NFL draft and in dynasty drafts. I think most reviewing him as uh, maybe a late second rounder, early third rounder in in both the NFL draft and dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah. And after that performance, I heard round one thrown around uh, in for for both of those. As you mentioned, maybe maybe he sneaks into round one uh, of the NFL draft, and in our rookie mocks, he he actually ended up as the thirteenth player off the board. Yeah. Uh, this month, so so knocking on the door, uh, moving moving up almost a full round, based so just you, on his combine. So if you already took him in a rookie draft or a startup. You're you're sitting pretty. Do you want to do you sell him at this point? <laughs> That's my question. Quick profit. I like uh, the, the quick flip. <laughs> I I don't think I would. But yeah, I'm, I wouldn't either. I, but 
if you if you already took him in an early rookie draft or early startup uh, before the combine, I'm sure you got a very good value. That's looking like a, a great pick. What if you point. already took yeah. Chase Claypool? Yeah, and that's another guy that I think him I would be saying right, right, yeah. right. He's he's the kind of guy who who definitely is. If you got a, someone who's really really into him in your league, then he's worth selling potentially because he could have a little bit longer. Uh, you know developmental arc or whatever it's going to take i think it'll take him a while to figure out well number one we don't even know what he is right he he might end up being a tight end he might end up being a an x receiver like i i saw uh, evan silva uses the vincent jackson comp and i was like whoa that's really interesting um but of course you know that's i think that's something that we won't really know what he is as a rookie and maybe not in his second year so you kind of have to take that that into account if you want to flip him right now for a profit you probably could um but i am excited about him honestly i I think you know that athleticism is rare and in a really really poor or i guess just like uh, less under or underwhelming i guess tight end class because there's some good tight ends in here i think that could turn into good pros but there's no hawkinson there's no you know fan or whatever and so if he ends up being a tight end and at the next level say some team wants to turn him into um, you know, like a move tight end kind of guy, big slot type player, but they designate him as a tight end, then he can end up being really valuable. So, um, yeah, it's, it's too early to tell with him, but but he, to me, is very – he's got a lot of boom-bust potential. What I've seen of him, which worries me a little bit, is he struggles to get off press coverage, as many rookies do, don't get me wrong, but he's got a big target for guys to press him at the line. And if someone's going to line him up outside the numbers and ask him to be DK Metcalf and just be big and fast yeah. – I don't know that he'll get off the line well enough, but if he goes to a team, Sean Payton, you know, putting them in motion, wham blocks, maybe give him a ball in the end of round once in a while, use him like Evan Ingram out of the slot and detached, then I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. Like the Darren Waller comp I think is very, very interesting. And obviously Waller took a while to get going, but, you know, they're kind of similar stories, both big, tall, very athletic receivers in college who, you know, transferred to the tight end position in the NFL. So I think Claypool is really interesting. The other one that I wanted to bring up was Justin Jefferson, who I I believe has gained steam since the combine. Obviously, you know, he ran a 4-4. People were very, very excited about that. Um, and I feel like he sort of solidified himself. People, He might even be a first-rounder, too. He's kind of one of those sneaky first-round potential type guys. I think he goes in the first year. round. Yeah, so he's, he's the kind of guy who – um, you know, there's some limitations in terms of his profile. He's a slot player mostly this last season, and I think some people that might scare some people off. Um, but I loved watching him play. He actually reminded me of, of Doug Baldwin, the way that he runs routes. I don't know if you watch Doug Baldwin, but he kind of does this thing where he, he dances, and it's almost like a basketball crossover. He, he had a lot of basketball-style moves in his, in his route running. And you see Justin Jefferson do that a lot. Um, so he's he's – you know, there's some concerns, like I said, with the he's in an LSU offense that had a million touchdowns. Sure. So he was elevated by a great offense, a great quarterback who's going to be the number one pick, all that. Um, but I thought he, I loved his tape. I actually, you know, he was a lot of fun to watch. So I think he's going to be good. too. Well, he might produce like a faster Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, I think I saw DJ uh, Daniel Jeremiah compared him to like a Keenan Allen style type guy. Hmm. So we'll see. But um 
I think, yeah, he's getting some first-round buzz now, too. And I said, Ayuk is still getting first-round buzz, even though I think a lot of people were kind of pissed about his running a 4-5. I, you know, I, Nothing wrong with that. I didn't necessarily expect him to run in the 4-3s, but um, I still think just watching his tape, he's very electric. So I don't know if it really matters. Yeah, there's just so many There's so many potential first-rounders from this wide receiver group. Uh, I mean, we I've seen as many as as eight first rounders, depending on which mock you're looking at. So that's, that's pretty wild as well. Danny, you had a couple of guys listed as sliders. Both of these were probably day three picks. And now I think they might be in danger of going undrafted. Juwan Jennings, Jared Pinckney, uh, any, any comments on these guys? Yeah. So I feel like Jennings is sort of a unique case because he's he's like the most physical receiver you could imagine <laughs> he's just he, he he's like a like a bull in a china shop just a brawler really and combine wasn't the best way to show that off <laughs> yeah exactly it just it was not designed i don't know why he tested honestly I, maybe he shouldn't have but um you know he had a four two seven uh four four seven two <laughs> sorry forty <laughs> wait a minute um, second worst at receiver I believe he had a twenty nine inch vert which is just not good not very good explosiveness um so that I think it's going to be a concern for some teams I still think he's an interesting player but it's I feel like those are probably going to hurt his draft stock overall which you know could could hurt his chances for for being a early contributor or a contributor at all he, he's just he's one of those guys that you could put him like you were saying matt you could put him in the slot potentially as a big slot mm-hmm. guy and, and have him you know because he's big and physical and he's not gonna have any problem going over the middle of the field against those guys and he probably would love that in fact and so um i think he's an intriguing guy and i actually heard there was like day two whispers for him going into the combine i'm guessing he probably won't make it into day two anymore after all that so and then pinkney I mean, at best, he could be He's, Marquise Colston, though. And that's right, a really optimistic right. view of it. But Right, yeah. So he, you know, there's there's certainly been slow guys who have succeeded in the NFL. It's few and far between. Is he an outlier? I don't know. I, I'm probably not betting mm-hmm. on that, but I, I do think – you know he's a hold if you have him at this point just to kind of see how everything goes i wouldn't drop him at this point um so and then jared pinkney vanderbilt who was kind of coming into the combine i was kind of intrigued with him because he had a he had a down 2018 or sorry he had a good 2018 was going into potentially you know going into the draft that year he was kind of highly thought of and then he decided to go back to school had a bad season in 2019 and had a really horrific combine. I mean, he ran a four. He ran a five plus on his first forty, and and then he ran a four nine eight or something like that on his second forty, and then he just stopped. He, he stopped his workout from there. <laughs> bad so bad, bad. I it's just a really really bad workout. I don't know. I mean, it didn't look like he would. It didn't look to me like he could have gone much faster. Honestly, he just a slow start struggled to get going i thought he looked a little bit more impressive in the actual football drills which i suppose is important um you know he caught the ball well on the gauntlet all that stuff but yeah i mean i don't i don't know if anyone's going to draft him after you run a five flat 40 so um he went from potential sleeper for me you know mid-round sleeper to a guy who's going to have to really get into four eights at his pro day if anyone's going to draft him in my opinion so because there's just no there's no precedent for tight ends running that slow and having much of an impact in, in, in the NFL. So we'll, we'll have to figure you out. You could be a whale of a blocker. You're going to be like Lee Smith. <laughs> you know, you don't want Lee Smith on your fantasy team. Right. right. 
I will say, Will Disley, I was looking this up. He ran like a 4.85. If Pinkney can get to a 4.85 at his pro day, I'm more interested again. But this was <laughs> this was bad. That's the mark that gets you intrigued, huh? 4.85. <laughs> four, 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 4.85, and then I'm mildly intrigued. He'll put it that way. All right, Danny, your, uh, your latest article is actually an update of your uh, big board and mock draft uh, combination that you have had over there for um, maybe about a month or so, or a few weeks at mm-hmm. least. You've updated that post-combine. Let's focus on your mock draft. Of course, sure. Joe Burrow, number one to Cincinnati. Uh, started to hear a few whispers that maybe they would go a different direction. That really feels like we're just reaching for a story. I, I, <laughs> he, he's still locked in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and you know, I I would say Tua having a a, a healthy hip, changes it from like a a hundred percent proposition to like maybe like a ninety five percent proposition. I still think Burrow is the landslide favorite to go to Cincinnati. But um you know as as recent as like a week or two before the combine, I heard you know like, like Lance Zierling saying, I don't know if it's a lock. You know, and again these guys are plugged in to NFL coaches, GMs, all this stuff and scouts. And so Lance's dad is an NFL coach. <laughs> right, and so I tend to listen. I, I tend to listen to these things that at least give them some credence. Um, so, I, am I, do I think Burrow is not going to be the number one pick? No, I think he's going to be the number one pick. But if Tua is fully healthy and everyone gives him, you know, he passes with flying colors, I think you know the, the, some team is going to have to at least do their dil, due diligence, or the, the Bengals are going to have to at least do their due diligence and say, hey, you know, this was the guy for like you know, half the season before he got hurt and last season, obviously he's just been, he's had an amazing and amazing career. There is injury concerns, but um, I say too is, you know, talented enough to at least be in the conversation. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with that. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, you never say never. I, I didn't think that they were going to take Mayfield either with the Browns. were going to take Mayfield that year either. So we'll I see mean, if Tua actually has a pro day. I'm going to be blown away. I know he's talking about he's going to have a pro day soon. Like, that seems so ahead of schedule. Didn't he say March 9th? Yeah, like soon. Which is right? in, that's like in less than <laughs> a week. <laughs> seems weird because he was like limping a little in, in Indianapolis. So, I don't know. We'll see. Danny, you've got uh, you've got nine guys. And when I say nine, I'm, I'm talking about quarterbacks and wide receivers coming off the board in your first round of your NFL mock draft. So uh, no running backs. I want to start there. Yeah, I tried to put – I wanted to put Taylor in there, but I Just didn't, didn't find a fit? I mean, I, well, here, full disclosure, I was just kind of bored of giving Miami a running back. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, maybe they'll take a running back. And I'm a little dubious about that because I don't know if running back is really what they need right now. But um, I think they're the sort of the top team that you would give a running back to at this point. And there's not a ton of teams really that you're like, oh, they need a running back right now to like. Tampa's the one you know, that the comes missing. to mind, but that's a little early, you know. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, honestly, that was kind of like my thought process. Like, you get into these, you get into the 20s and and, and early 30s, and you're like, hmm, I, don't, I like, do any of these teams need a running back? I gave the Titans Taylor in my last mock with the idea that they would either franchise tag or let Henry walk in free agency. Um, but I mean, and I actually really thought hard about this mostly just because I thought it'd be fun as hell, but to give, to give Taylor uh, to the Ravens, I wow. think would be really fun. 
just because they're such a run-oriented team. That's their identity. Um, I think uh, Ingram's going into final of year's contract. I don't necessarily think Justice Hill is a three-down, like, sustaining back. There's a reason they like Gus Edwards. I could actually see them using the first-round pick on Taylor. I mean, they used it on frickin' Hayden Hurst, so... Jamal Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I mean, I don't know. Like, if that doesn't tell you their skewed version of, of... of value taking him before they took Lamar Jackson. I don't know what sure. does. So maybe, you know, maybe they do take a running back. That would be fun as hell. Oh, I mean, people, Oh my God, people would freak out if he went first uh, to, to the Ravens. That'd be so fun. Danny, do you think the depth of the running back position, especially at the top, I mean, we're talking Taylor Dobbins, Swift acres, uh, Edwards, Hilaire, maybe close to that group as well. Does the depth hurt the chances of a, a guy like Taylor going in the first round? When teams know they can wait until the second round and and get one of the others, yeah, yeah, potentially, I think so because I mean, you're not going to be disappointed getting DeAndre Swift. You're not going to be disappointed getting Dobbins, in my opinion. Even Moss, who I think is a really good running back, um, you're not going to be bummed out getting him if you're if you're in the middle of the second round or something like that. Acres, so yeah, I think it could be that situation where. And we might even see that with with receiver yeah. where you have guys you have teams reaching on positions like a offensive tackle where there's a huge cliff, I think, after the after the after the top tier of offensive tackles, you know, there's a huge, huge fall off. So maybe you have a bunch of tackles go early. Or maybe you have you know, there's a huge, huge drop off at, at um edge rusher after you get past like three guys or four guys. So maybe you have all those edge rushers like Zach Bond go in the first round. Um Terrell, uh, Terrell Lewis go in the first round guys like that so I don't know it's gonna be very very interesting never really know but I it's hard to see it's hard to see that in reality happening I think people are gonna be so excited about these receivers that they're gonna come off the board pretty early ultimately any chance Ruggs goes ahead of Judy or Lamb just because he has a crazy trump card yeah I, I do think that there's a chance that happens um I, I wouldn't do that no. CD CD Lamb is my receiver one and there's a very very close it's like a razor's margin between him and Judy, and then I've got Ruggs third. But I could see a team, you know, that wants that speed element, that wants that. Which Al Davis field. was still alive. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, Darius Hayward Bay, yeah. Um, you could see that, that, like, you know, and I've talked about this a couple times on, on pods recently where, you know, I don't know if Ruggs is necessarily going to be like a stud fantasy player, but he is, I think, going to be an important football player for a team that he goes to i mean if you look at um what speed elements do for the chiefs you know with tyreek hill what speed element does for the for the texans with will fuller obviously the stats with fuller in there versus not are really drastic and um when you have a guy that you know makes it very very difficult for your offense or sorry when it makes it very very difficult for the defense you're facing to run um cover like a cover three like a one high look when they can't stack the box it just opens things up i think and if you have a guy like rugs on the outside good luck you know running a cover three and hoping that your your safety can get over to the sideline or whatever and so um i think you know there's there's schematic things in in the way like the geometry of how you have to defend a a team that has rugs that can make him important for football but not necessarily like i mean look at the eagles with deshaun jackson um so that's kind of my thought. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen in real, in you know, realistically. But I think it, it could happen for sure. I don't think I'll own rugs in any dynasty for where he's going to go. 
But to your point, I think he might change the offense he goes to more than any receiver. Yeah, yeah. I could see it. And he's good after the catch too. I mean, he's not just a he's not just a speed guy. I think he's pretty he's pretty elusive after the catch. He can you know, take a he can take a slant and, and turn it into a big gain, things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for him. I'm probably the same. Like he would not be like on my top list of guys that I really want um, in a fantasy draft. But I do think you know the NFL certainly values his rare speed. Danny, let's look at those nine players and and where you currently have their landing spot. We already mentioned Burrow going number one to Cincinnati, Tua Tungavaloa to Miami at number five. Jordan Love to the Chargers at number six. Uh, you've got the receivers that you talked about going back-to-back. Lamb, C.D. Lamb to the Jets at 11. Jerry Judy to the Raiders at 12. Justin Herbert falling to 13 to the Colts. Ruggs to Denver at 15. Mm-hmm. Je- Justin Jefferson, Buffalo, 22. And Jalen Rager to the Packers at 30. So let's... Take Burrow out of the equation. Which one of those, the the, the eight other picks, do you feel uh, most confident in? Hmm. That is a good question. Let's see. Do you mean in terms of them landing there or just being okay? Yes. Yeah. Or, or I mean, it, we're, we know mock drafts are... <laughs> are so difficult <laughs> crap shoots. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah everybody everybody understands that but but at least the the draft capital we've heard the the love versus herbert talk and i think most people most people have herbert higher so that's that's something that i think is uh is interesting from your mock uh we talked about the number of wide receivers in the first round so so whether it's where they fall uh, in comparison to others at their position Maybe it's a certain team. Just just one thing from those other eight that, that you yeah, feel pretty confident yeah. with. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Green Bay with Rager, and the reason I say that is because I think they they really need a speed element in their offense. Um, you know, I think they wanted Marcus Valdez Scantling to be that, but we didn't see it happen, and it probably doesn't it doesn't seem like it's gonna happen. And I mean, if you look at the rest of their offense, like Kumro. Um, or Alan Lazard, those guys are, are possession receiver style guys. And even Devonte Adams isn't going to necessarily just tear down the sideline and, and take the top off a of defense. So that was kind of my thinking, whether it's Rager or if Ruggs happens to last that long, which I kind of doubted at this point, I could see them really liking him, but I just, I see them kind of needing that element in their offense to kind of, and it goes back to what I was saying. Like they want to be they want to be a balanced offense and they want to run the ball, you know, with Lafleur. And if you can force a team into, into two high looks, it just makes your run game so much more effective. So yeah, I think that one, I kind of feel good about it. I mean, obviously I don't feel confident about any of these. I think the love thing, the love thing is interesting because I don't know if you guys heard it when we were there, but love just gets so much. He got so much hype all week. I mean, there people were absolutely gushing about him. So, and that was kind of a surprise because he didn't. I don't know. He didn't like blow me away at the Senior Bowl. Um, his tape, obviously, in this last season wasn't amazing. I think there's the tools. And honestly, for me, the reason I've got him ranked high is because if you look at what's happened with Daniel Jones and Josh Allen in the last two seasons, those guys were absolutely toolsy guys that had pretty questionable, you know, st- statistics from the season prior. You know, and they were the guy on their team that was trying to elevate the offense and all that. And that's what we see from love. 
And to be frank, like both of those guys have been better pros than I thought they would be, uh, Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. So I guess I'm just kind of trying to keep an open mind with Love, even though his stats were pretty terrible last season. I think the the tools there, he, he, he tested really, really well. And we had this happen last year with Daniel Jones. Like I didn't really believe the hype. I didn't really believe that teams were in love with him. And turns out they were. <laughs> so at least one. Yeah, at least one was, <laughs> and it only takes one. Um, and I, I, I th- honestly, Herbert had a great week too. I think. Yeah. You know, he looked really, really good in the passing drills. He ran really fast. He ran faster than Love. In fact, he ran I think a four six eight or something. And so his athleticism stood out. And he's another guy that. Uh, uh, I didn't do trades in this draft, in this mock draft, but I think he's he and Love are probably going to be top ten picks because I think someone's going to trade up for both of those. Yeah, guys. I'm not disputing your mock at all, but what I say about Love all the time is he's coming out at the exact right time in NFL history. You know, like Mahomes. I mean, everyone wants the next Mahomes, and it's perfect for him. And I think he will be coveted. I just think Herbert's going to be a top five pick when it's all said and done with trade ups. Yeah. Yeah. He's just yeah. He's I mean, just what you drop a quarterback to look like. Yeah, for sure. I could definitely see that. I think in this mock, I was just focusing on post post combine mm-hmm. hype and love got a lot of it. But I, I agree with you. I think both of those guys are going to be top ten picks ultimately. Danny, let's shift to uh, dynasty rookie drafts uh, here before we before we say goodbye. Who's a player that that you might consider drafting in in the first round of a rookie draft? that maybe you wouldn't have prior to the combine. Is it, is it Denzel Mims, that riser that we talked about? Yeah. Mims is the, is, is the far and away the, the top guy, I'd say. And then I was just looking down. I was looking at you guys' ADP on Dynasty League football, and I'm pretty surprised. I mean, I, this is the February data, um, so I'm looking at that. But Brandon Ayuk is 21. I think he's going to be he's, – he's potentially a first-rounder. And so – I think he's another kind of guy, like very, very fringe, but he he's another guy that I potentially consider in there. Justin Jefferson, if he's not in the first round conversation, I think he should be now in terms of dynasty drafts. And so, yeah, I think those are the main guys I would say kind of stand out to me is is Ayuk, Mims. Even though I, I know people think Ayuk had a bad karma, I, I, I was impressed with him. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say those are the ones that I, I would say are kind of like on the borderline first rounders I would – you find taking in the first round. Now. It's funny. I just want to throw one nugget out there because I just wrote an article for Steelers.com and I went through the top 13 got wide receivers that were the reception leaders this year and I did an average of their 40 times and it's 4.57. You know, and <laughs> right, Julio right. was like the only freak of the group. You know, I mean, it was one other guy that was below 4.5. I mean, it's 4.57 is fine. Yeah, it, to me. So the Ayuk thing too is like when you turn on your when you turn on the tape, he's very very sudden. You know, he's got explosive, electric feet. He's a sudden. He's sudden off the line of scrimmage. He's sudden after the catch. So if he runs a four four eight or a four five flat, it doesn't make no. a difference to me. Honestly, you know, it's just kind of his short area burst and explosiveness are what stood out to me. And so, you know, I think it, I think those things showed up. He had a good vert. Um. He had a good broad jump. He's athletic as hell. He's a very, very good returner. Like great with the ball. One of the best returners yeah. in college football. So, and he and, and people are obviously uh, worried about the lack of you know multiple seasons of production, which is very fair. And and I I respect all that data. Um, but he he was very productive in JUCO ranks. 
So it's not like he was just sitting on the bench necessarily for Arizona State for his first three seasons or whatever. So, you know, there's some circumstances that you can kind of look at and say, um, you know, he could be sort of like not an outlier, but he could he could kind of go past the one-year wonder type thing. And I'm not worried about him in the same way that I'm worried about. I was worried about, um, you know, like Hakeem Butler last season where – you know, it's a one year of production because he's a he's a different kind of player. He's um, very sudden and importantly, the NFL seems to love this guy. So he potentially could be like a first round pick. So or at least I think he's like the sweet spot for him is probably like early second round is where he's probably going to get like taken. for Dynasty. If I offered you both Ayuk for his former teammate Nikhil Harry, you'd take it, right? I think so. I would. <laughs> I probably would. Yeah. Yeah, I just checked our our March data uh, just for an update, and Ayuk has has moved up a little, but not much. Twentieth overall hmm. looks like for the most part was available late in the second round of of our rookie mocks that we ran. So you think people are just probably really worried about the one year of production, I guess, and then maybe the four or five is is throwing some people off. Yeah, I think all we all we you know this is a player that a lot of people didn't see um, play in college. It's I mean, we've heard some of these names, T. Higgins and, and Rager and, and, of course, Judy and Lamb. We've heard these names for years, and, and even LaVisca Chenault. And, and Brandon Ayuk is just kind of the you know the new kid on the block. It's like, oh, okay, this guy's <laughs> supposed to be good. Uh, and what do we know about him? He's blazing fast. And then he wasn't. So I, I think that's all it takes with a player that you might not know as much about to, to move him down or to uh, – you know, just to not value him as much. I get that. I, I think that's fair. And I, I understand, you know, there's years and years of, of data that would back up, I think, kind of that idea. But I don't know. I, when I when I went and watched him on tape, I kind of went into it kind of skeptical. I was like, yeah, okay, this is, you know, just the next one-year wonder that everyone's excited about and blah, blah, blah. But then I, I, I really, really liked his tape. I really, really liked his athleticism, his movement, all that. So – yeah, it's it's he's he's going to be I think a very controversial one for a lot of people. Danny, great stuff as always. Thank you for your insights into the combine, into these rookies. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find your work. So you can find me at theringer.com where I have the NFL draft guide, the Ringer's NFL draft guide, which we're continually updating. Right now it's at fifty players, but we're going to have it up to a hundred by the time it's all said and done. Um, full scouting reports on that, and then obviously you can check us out on. Uh, the Ringer Podcast Network, Danny Heifetz and I host a fantasy podcast called the Dantasy Football Podcast, and it's on the Ringer NFL show feed. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>